from the earth, or a phantom of night that has no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink, thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own, into our house enter thou not, through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. I'm Dan. Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay. Hello. Hello. Uh, thanks, everyone, for the continued ratings and reviews. Thanks for subscribing, watching on uh, Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Thanks for doing all the things. Mm-hmm. All the pictures uh, that we'll uh, refer to today will be posted on Instagram and Facebook. That's at Scared to Death Podcast. And, and special thanks to all the, the creeps and peepers who came out to these Salt Lake City stand-up shows this past weekend. Uh, sorry, Lindsay couldn't be there. Sorry. Kids, you know? Like, what are you going to do? A lot of people were asking about you. That's so nice. Thanks, wanted, guys. Wanting to say hello. Hello. And uh, yeah, just a lot of creeps and peepers. That was super cool to see. Yeah, I'll be in Nashville with you in oh, yeah. just, uh, not this weekend, but the next. So awesome. hopefully I'll meet some awesome people there. Always accepting crystals. <laughs> Seeing a lot of uh, uh, cool new, uh, you know, uh, shirts in the audience lately. Uh, you know, scared to death shirt, which is cool. That's fun. And we have a, we have a very cool new one in the Bad Magic store today. Long sleeve and t shirt form. Uh, Logan at Spicy Club is calling this design Demon Chapel, <laughs> and it looks super cool, eerie and sexy at the same time. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, very very cool uh, merch we have for Scared to Death. So uh, so proud of it. Yeah, it's awesome. We're so lucky to work with such talented people. We are, we are. And actually, the, uh, I don't know if they'll be at any shows, but they'll be in Nashville as well. They will, they will. I don't think that they'll be. They uh, they have little kids, so it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, how many listener stories do you have for the for the audience today? Just two. Okay. Um, one is definitely like okay, and then the other one, it's uh, close to where I grew up, so I was like, ooh, extra spooky for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, I what? have two. As usual, two tales. Um, I will make sure not to interrupt you during your stories this week. <laughs> I'm focusing on that. I just want you to know that was everyone's part of favorite part of the show last week. It's so funny. So funny. But I think it's just like, listen, anybody who's been in any kind of relationship knows that these things, like we all have our, our quirks and our irritations. True. And yeah, mine is being corrected. True. I True. hate to, I hate, in case you guys don't know. I hate feeling stupid. I hate feeling dumb. I hate being embarrassed in that way. So, like, I don't even care that Dan corrected me because there was a lot of people like, oh, come on. It wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't except that it's my personal thing where, like, I could cry when people correct me. I'm so sensitive. I don't mind being wrong. It's just um, I like to be wrong in private. I, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And I know that. So, I'll, yeah. It's so all right. It was pretty funny. <laughs> and, and you were right. Inhuman, because inhumane would would mean to be without human characteristics. It would mean to be like cruel or mean. Yeah, right? treated yeah poorly in inhumanely. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You would if you treat like a dog. Well, not, if you're hate, Michael hate Vick, example, you know, yeah. you just like <laughs> you right. treated animals inhumanely. Right. I mean, that is a yeah, very valid poorly, example. Yeah, badly abused. But, yeah, but inhuman yeah, yeah. strength. If you're the Hulk, yeah, you're stronger than a human. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I was wrong. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It happens. No big whoops. Uh, first, my first two, uh, of two tales today is a story I found online about a college girl who has a, a very strange, super creepy visitor show up at her door one night. Okay, well, that's no good for me. And then the uh, second story, we head to South Africa. We haven't been there yet, I don't believe, on Scared to Death. 
And we head back over 100 years to look at the possession and exorcism of Clara Germana Seeley. I thought we had one. Maybe one, but I'm not sure. <sighs> I'm, I'm blanking. Maybe not. It's so hard, like, because when you also listen to other things and watch yeah, things, yeah, I'm yeah. like, was that us or was that someone else? Yeah. Well, I'm going to get my blanket ready, but I just, um, I got these socks. I think you brought them home from me from St. Louis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are cool. Crystal socks. <laughs> and I have a crystal mug now. Nice. I didn't do it. You can't even be mad at me. I'm not yeah, even spending getting, our money on it. You're just getting gifts. Getting gifts. Yeah. Like, I'm going to put on my cozy, scared to death blanket. If anybody has bought this thing, you know, it is like, uh, I love it. I want to take it home. <laughs> so toesy. Perfect. Are you ready? Because there's no, there, we kind of just get right into this first story. No big setup. No big setup. Okay. So I'll be quiet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Time now for a tale I'm simply calling the girl. Several years ago, a college student named Julie lived in an unnamed city just off campus with five other girls. They'd each rented rooms in the same large home. It was finals week, and Julie's friend Lawanda had come over to cram for an accounting test during a late-night study session. By about half past midnight, everyone else in the house appeared to be asleep. The house was quiet. And then Julie and Lawanda heard someone come up the stairs. Distinct footsteps. Neither woman was alarmed. Both assumed it was just one of Julie's roommates. Okay. Coming home from having studied somewhere else. Then there was a knock at the door. Again, no cause for alarm. Just one of Julie's roommates stopping by to say hello, share some gossip perhaps ask for something related to their own studies. Mm-hmm. Julie opened the door and saw a girl about her age standing in the hallway, not one of her roommates. Mm-hmm. She looked familiar, but Julie wasn't sure that she recognized her. This girl asked, could you please let me in? She didn't, inter- didn't introduce herself, didn't give her name, just asked to be let in. Julie was about to ask her who she was, and then she remembered that Mariana, one of her roommates, had family in town. Her cousin, she thought, this must be her. Maybe that's why she looked familiar. Mm-hmm. Julie said, sure. And the girl walked past her and into her room. When Julie, again, assuming she was Mariana's cousin, introduced herself, this girl smiled, but didn't say her name. Luanda then introduced herself. Same thing. Smiled, didn't give a name. The two friends exchanged, who the hell is this? Glances. Odd, but whatever. They were tired, it was late, and Julie didn't want to offend her roommate Mariana by being rude to her weird cousin. <laughs> When Julie asked the visitor how her trip uh, to campus was going, she looked confused. Then she started talking about her boyfriend, Curtis. She said they'd had a serious fight and that she'd walked out of his apartment. So many thoughts were floating through Julie's head. Was this Mariana's cousin? Did Mariana even have a cousin in town? She couldn't quite remember. She texted Mariana, who didn't respond. She always put her phone on do not disturb when she slept and Julie assumed she must be out for the night. This mysterious young woman, 18... 19, maybe 20, she kept talking about her boyfriend, Curtis, how they were always fighting. A few minutes after she came into the room, Luanda said she needed to go home and get some sleep. Oh, boy. Julie hugged her friend goodbye, then gave what she thought was an obvious cue for this other girl to leave, saying she also needed to get to sleep, and the girl didn't take the cue. She just smiled her slight smile, and then Luanda said goodnight and left, and this girl stayed there. Luanda texted Julie and asked her, If she needed help, she said she was fine. Annoyed, but fine. Julie told her that she really, uh, told this girl that she really needed to go to bed. And then this woman started talking about how she was afraid that Curtis was going to kill her. Oh my God. She started crying. She said she, she needed to be around someone, that she didn't want to be alone tonight. And then Julie noticed that she had bruises on her neck, like she'd been choked. Did she have those bruises when she first arrived? How was she just noticing them now? What the hell was going on? Also, the way she stared at Julie was strange. Always felt like she was looking through her, 
instead of at her. Julie didn't know what to do. How could she kick her out now? But she also needed to study and get to sleep. She told whoever this was, still didn't know her name, that she could crash for the night on the little futon she had in her room, and that she had to study some more and then get some sleep. She smiled her strange little smile and continued to just sit on that futon. And then for over an hour, Julie sat at her desk with her headphones on studying. And this girl just sat and stared at her. She could feel it. She hated it, but again, she didn't feel comfortable asking her to leave. She told herself she didn't want to be rude to someone who was going through something terrible, but that wasn't entirely true. She was scared to ask her to leave. She didn't know why she was scared, but she was. Mm -hmm. This girl hadn't been aggressive or threatening in any way, but she was also so odd. And she was really starting to give Julie the creeps. She almost instinctively felt like she just couldn't upset her, shouldn't upset her. When she was done studying and ready to crash around 2.30 a.m., Julie asked this girl what her name was. And instead of giving her name, she said, At some point, I guess certain things don't matter and you have to leave everything behind. What? What the hell did that mean? That was it. She was going to sleep. She'd wake up and this would all be over. Julie told the girl to make herself at home. She had a pillow and a blanket for her. She couldn't wait to talk to Mariana the next morning. Who the hell is your creepy cousin? Who is Curtis? Most importantly, why wasn't she in your room last night? Yeah, for real. She said goodnight, turned off the lights, and then laid there dreaming of the day when she would never have to live with roommates again. But she couldn't fall asleep. Not when she could feel this woman staring at her. She rolled over, and in the dark, she could see her silhouette. She was still sitting there. Not laying down, but sitting in the dark. What the fuck? It was 3 a.m. and this creepy girl was just sitting silently in the dark and staring at her. It made her skin crawl. Oh, yeah. Also, she seemed too dark now. Julie's eyes had adjusted to the dark enough where she felt like she should have been able to make out some features of this girl. Nothing. Just a dark, dark silhouette. Julie finally decided that she had to get this girl out of her room. Enough was enough. This was too weird. She was more scared than ever, but she wasn't going to be able to go to fall uh, fall asleep that night. And she had an important test the next day. Being spooked wasn't a good reason to fail a final. She crawled out of bed, walked over to the light switch. In the dark, she could see this girl's head swivel and track her as she walked across her room. All without making a sound. Gave her the chills. She turned to feel for the light switched to turn it on, and when she turned back prepared to speak, she screamed instead. No one was sitting on the futon. She was gone. Oh Panicked. Julie scanned around her room. Nothing. How was that possible? There was no other exit. She'd been standing right next to the door. Then she heard footsteps again, head down the stairs. Oh my God, she thought. How could she have gotten past me? Oh my God. She flipped on the hallway light. Nothing. She ran down the stairs. She made it to the front door. It was locked from the inside. She'd never heard it open or close. She went into the living room and then the kitchen, turning on lights all over the house. Her scream and the sound of her running down the stairs and running around had woken up her roommates and a few came out of the rooms, including Mariana. Julie quickly told her about the girl and asked if it was her cousin. No, she said. The girl didn't fit the description, and besides, her family had returned home that morning. Uh. She called Lawanda, who, thank God, picked up. She asked, did you remember a girl being in the room tonight? Lawanda said, of course I do. Of course I do. And she said that the girl had creeped her out as well. So who was she? Who was Curtis? And where did she go? Julie may never know. After thoroughly spooking her roommates, she went back to bed. She needed her sleep. She wouldn't get it. She laid awake the entire night, afraid that if she fell asleep again... The girl might return. Yikes. Just a strange visitor. I do not care for that. 
Yeah, that one would stick with you. Uh, yeah. Especially the corroborating, like, witness, you know, earlier in the evening. Right, right, of the friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, uh, yeah, well, if you live in a sorority or frat house and you're listening to this, you're fucked. <laughs> that, that's all I could think is just the, the college experience. Because mm-hmm. in no, or if you have, like, a roommate, if you don't live alone. Right. Because you, I would never open up our front door and be like, oh, yeah, come in, stranger that I don't know that I think is Dan's cousin. Right, no. right. But in a... Co-living situation, this is a very possible thing. There's people coming out all the time, and there's people that have, like, family, and you, and you see so many faces on campus. Yeah. I, I remember those people where it's like, I didn't know their names, but if they would have stopped by my dorm room, I, I would have let them in, you know, if they would, like, ask, like, unless I would have creeped out. Yeah. Because there was that kind of fear, too, that you're if you're, like, a dick, and you're like, no, then maybe they're friends with one of your friends, and then you were just, like, root. It's, but like, all these they weird qualify? things. They would say like, oh, oh, hey, hey, I'm, oh, right. you know, John, you know, Robert's friend. Of course. So I'm not letting a random person with no explanation in my house, in my car, in my apartment. Maybe Julie was a little overly polite. Clearly. I, I, I get it on some but, level, though. Yeah, I mean, Where it's like, if you thought that there was, like, if there was just family, and some people are just weird socially, and you don't want to be like, like, bitch, who are you? Like and then like then that person gets upset and then tells and then you have your roommate be like especially why did you just yell bitch. <laughs> right why did you just yell at my cousin right yeah yeah weird circumstances to that one really strange uh, I mean there, there's no like you know there's just a random story on on the web so there's no pictures that go along with that or there right, weren't right. any but I but I found I just googled like a uh, ghost girl so here's <laughs> what came up first hello ghost girl just tried some spooky images okay okay. And I thought this was kind of weird. This this one came up next. And this one's weird because it's referred to as Clara. Because you can buy this. You can buy that? You can it's, buy it's that a doll? Or it's a you prop. Can... Yeah, like a, like, a, like a haunted house prop. Uh, Why like is her a, name Clara? I don't know, but Clara is the name of the person in our next story. So I just thought that was interesting. Weird coincidence. Clara or Clara? I think it's usually Clara. C-L-A. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then there's just one more random, like, ghost girl. I just thought that was spooky. Uh. That is spooky. You know something really spooky that happened last night? What? Uh, I'm not the kind of person, as you know, that just falls right asleep when I get into bed. There's right. a lot of like squirming, worming. Yeah. Uh, squirming, worming? Squ- squirming around, worming around. Oh, yeah. I, I usually hear oh, squirming, so- Herman. I thought squirming, worming was a new one. Well, squ- squirming, well, maybe I just made it up. But squirming, Herman, I thought it was something that you made up. I'd never heard that before you said it to Monroe. Oh, I got it from my family. I, w- I was called squirming, Herman. Maybe well, my mom made it up. Well, your family also says like toadies instead of like your toes. Right. So, like that's. A bunch of weird, yeah, colloquialisms. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I was lying in bed, and so Kyler's bedroom, as you know, is directly above our bedroom. Yeah. And sometimes he talks in his sleep. I heard that last night, too, and just for a second, got freaked out. And then I was like, then I remember the same thing, that Kyler, yeah, because it is spooky. It it is, because he doesn't just talk to him it's not like one or two words it's right a couple sentences right he's, right. he's really almost talking. every almost every night really you think oh uh, well i guess when i've been up when i've been up late at night oh uh, yeah it's like an, within an hour or two of him going to sleep it's like one outburst and then usually he's done i know it's the I, always, thing. I always miss it i'm like wait what did he say and then he doesn't say anything else well last night he spoke twice oh weird so i was like dang it but then i had this thought like we should probably set up some gopros in kyler's bedroom oh god or what if we had like like voice activated sound recorders? Like what if he's been um, dictating the great American novel <laughs> just one or two sentences at a time every night? Like this like it's a whole narrative that we've missed out on. I doubt it. I, I bet it was something <laughs> about like 
classical piano, right? Things that he's stressed about. Irish folk music. Oh my God, Kyler and the Irish folk music. Mm-hmm. That's his new obsession. We have a very strange child. He's very eccentric already. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Him and his, fa- his fanny pack and his Irish folk music. Oh, my God. Just a typical 14-year-old. I love it that when, Not at all. when he sits down to play the piano, he doesn't take off the fanny packs either. It's like his, it's like his, his Linus with a security blanket. It's like he his binky. A, he has a security fanny pack. Oh, my God. I sent a picture to my dad this weekend of Kyler playing the piano. I was like, oh, check it out. He's doing so well. Yeah. And my dad goes, um, man, I must be old. I thought fanny packs were out. I'm just a dumb, old, white dude. I was like, well, actually, they're having a huge, trendy resurgence. Which Kyler's kind of mad about. Right, because Kyler just likes to be weird. He right. just... He was ahead of that curve a little bit. Oh, yeah. And he was annoyed. And now, there was a double... He, he This morning, he was annoyed that his he couldn't find his side fanny pack. Oh, yeah, that's a... Because now, sometimes, he doubles up and has two fanny packs. He has a double... Oh, is that what he was yelling about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's downstairs on the couch. okay. But he... That's from a fan in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Dan and his son, I cannot remember his right, name. Right, yes, yes. They gave Kyler a bunch of fanny packs, and the one that he gravitated towards is the hip pack. Funny. Uh huh. Oh yeah, Kyler was pissed that he didn't have it this weekend when we were hiking, because he was like, "Oh damn it, that's where my alpha male sunglasses are. If I had my my side fanny pack, I'd never be without alpha glasses." I'm like, "This is I my life." It. I love it. I love how weird it is. So weird. Are you ready for another tale? Yeah. Did you like? I was trying to put it off. <laughs> that was <laughs> a good little st- buffer. This is my stalling technique. Okay. Me and Hill Street Blues were going under. Little little bit of setup on this one. Okay, great. Tell me about it. Uh, we like to think that we're in control of our bodies, right? We want to know that no matter how many, how how many, uh, how bad things, oh, we want to know that no matter how bad things get in our lives. I don't know why that sentence was so tough. How, well, I was, yeah, okay, you got it. I was confused. Uh, whether we lose our jobs, or have relationships end, or even face something as traumatic as a as an attack, or, or or you know the death of a beloved family member, that we can always, at the very least, retain control of ourselves, be in charge of our own destiny. Uh, but sometimes destiny has other plans for some of us. What if something crept inside of you and took you over, used your body like a puppet? What if you ended up trapped inside of yourself, unable to carry on with your life? I mean, it sounds horrible. We trick ourselves into feeling so self-assured and in control that we can feel invincible in moments. But what if there are other beings out there in the dark that are stronger than we are? I mean, probably. Entities just waiting for the right time to strike. Perhaps these entities strike by trying to trick us, make us think they're not so bad, make us think that they can help us. Some have definitely attempted to make deals with devils and demons or whatever other dark forces they believe are real. But can such a deal actually be made? And if you did make that deal, why would some dark entity honor it? If evil creatures are real, I doubt they make bargains. Once they're inside you, once you've opened a door and let them in, I think it's much more likely that they just take and take and take, leaving a hollowed out shell of a person before moving on to another victim. The subject of this story attempted to make a deal with the darkness, and it led to at least two exorcisms. Oh, okay. Time now for the tale of the exorcisms of Germana Seeley. Clara Germana Seeley, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) To tell this story, we have to go back to 1890 and across the Atlantic Ocean to inland South Africa where a baby girl was born. The nuns at the St. Michael's Mission in Natal, South Africa, held the screaming child. She wiggled and thrashed, waving her small fists. The little girl was an orphan. A hard life today, a harder life in 1890. The nuns clothed her in white cotton and handed her to a priest who sprinkled holy water over her and said the blessing in Latin, and just like that, she was baptized as an Anglican. The nuns named her Clara Germana, and the girl grew up in their mission. 
She was a normal child who grew up surrounded by the religious environment of the mission, which was something like a commune with a school, dormitories, a clinic, a kitchen, and a farm. Built first in 1855, the mission had helped raise many generations of South African Anglicans. Father Erasmus Horner, a German-born priest who had served throughout Africa since 1892, helped run the mission by the time Clara was a teenager. He supervised the nuns who educated the children and for all intents and purposes raised them. Everyone who lived there was expected to support the community and live faithfully according to the Anglican faith. And there were plenty of nuns and priests to make sure that mission children abided by church doctrine. And Clara consistently abided by that doctrine until her 16th year. When Clara turned 16, something changed. The change in her behavior was instant and startling. It wasn't a gradual onset of typical teenage rebellion, moodiness. On August 20th, 1906, Clara ran through the rectory, tearing at her clothes, growling, having a babbling conversation with no one who could be seen. And then Clara saw a startled nun across the room and seemed instantaneously to turn back into her old self. Sister, she said in her normal, quiet voice, please call Father Erasmus. I must confess and tell everything, but be quick, quick or Satan will kill me. He has me in his power. Nothing is blessed with me. I have thrown away all the medals you gave me. And the nun rushed from the room. She heard Clara shriek to the air as she was leaving. You have betrayed me. You promised me glory and now you are torturing me. Father Erasmus rushed into the nun's quarters, where she'd been told that Clara had been tied to a bed after growling and lashing out at the nuns. As soon as he arrived, he could see that something was seriously wrong. He did not believe he was looking at a girl who was just playing around for attention. He didn't suspect for a moment that she was faking any of her anguish. He did feel the presence of something evil inside the room. And it was this presence that made the horrible sounds. He didn't think a human could make these sounds on their own. As one nun remembered it, no animal had ever made such sounds, neither the lions of East Africa nor the angry bulls. At times it sounded like a veritable herd of wild beasts orchestrated by Satan had formed a hellish choir. Father Erasmus asked Clara what evil force had taken residence in her body. In a guttural, growling, deeply hyper-masculine voice, a voice that didn't seem to be able to possibly come from Clara, As she thrashed against her restraints, this voice answered him, I am Satan. Our king is Lucifer. His power is great. He has in his service countless subjects. You see one here before you. We will rush from heaven to hell that our sins would not have been as huge as those of many men. His fire does not emit light, does not look in any way to your fire. Despite the darkness, we see each other. Many spirits roam around the world to seduce men. We believe in God and we hate him. (sighs) It was obvious, thought Father Erasmus, that Clara was possessed and they needed to perform an exorcism. Writhing on the bed, contorting in unnatural ways, Clara spoke to him in German, Polish, French, and in other languages that neither he nor the nuns could even identify. As people passed in and out of the room, rushing through the mission to keep children away from the hallways where Clara's room was so they wouldn't hear the shrieking and spitting, Clara turned to those trying to help her with her hideous grin. Laughing, she told one nun that she knew the nun had a child back in Germany, where the nun was from. She called the nun a whore who had abandoned her baby. She said that God wanted no part of this whore and that Satan awaited for her soul. My God. The nun paled and rushed out of the room. Whatever Clara had become, uh, uh, whenever Clara, uh, oh, sorry. Whatever Clara had become accused another nun of being a lying, sinning thief. 
She said she knew that the nun was committing a great sin. She was stealing from the church treasury. Oh, my God. This nun denied Clara's accusation, saying the girl is possessed. But when others checked the treasury later, they discovered that Clara was telling the truth. Clara, or whatever was inside of Clara, knew all kinds of dark, intimate secrets about the nuns and priests of the mission, and she took vicious pleasure in revealing these secrets to everyone. As the day went on, the nuns tried to approach Clara with holy water and crosses, but each time they got within touching distance, she screeched loudly, as though someone were scalding her with hot water or digging needles into her skin. With a jerk of her head, witnesses would later claim that a cross a nun was carrying flew across the room and smashed into the wall, exploding into shards of wood across the floor. Clara hissed, I don't like those very much, sister. Now you see what you will get if you try to come after me. And even stranger occurrences than this were witnessed. In his journal, Father Erasmus observed Clara levitating off the ground. He wrote, Often Clara found herself raised from one meter to 1.5 meters from the ground, sometimes vertically, sometimes horizontally, her whole body floating above her bed. She was then in a rigid position, and even her clothes did not fall as would have been normal. They remained tightly pressed against her body and legs. If she was sprayed with holy water, it would immediately drop and her clothes would return to their usual floating folds. This kind of phenomenon occurred in the presence of witnesses, even strangers to the mission. At church in plain sight, she sometimes floated above her chair. Some, pulling her by the feet, tried to bring her back to normal position, but could not achieve it despite all efforts. Clara fought the priest during her exorcism rituals. She fought the nuns when they tried to bring her into the church. She screamed at them when they tried to read her sermons or approached her with holy objects or the Bible. Whatever had taken residence in her body did not want to leave. It wasn't going to go without a fight. And this behavior continued day after day. The nuns noticed that Clara began to look less like a person and more like a monster. When she strained against her restraints, she looked less like a human being uh, trying to untie herself and more like a snake trying to writhe out of a trap. Her whole body would become unnaturally flexible and she would twist in a way that made it seem as if her spine might break, but it never did. Sometimes her neck seemed to actually lengthen before their eyes. One day when a nun was trying to feed her, trying to keep the girl trapped inside of her own body alive, Clara flashed teeth and bit her on the arm hard enough to draw blood. Clara often tried to attack the priests and nuns during her exorcism rituals. Father Erasmus and Father Mansuet were the two priests put in charge of these rituals. They had been given official permission from the Anglican Church to carry these rituals out. They were sure that Clara wasn't simply ill. On the days the rituals were carried out, the priests would gather around Clara's bed at dawn and they wouldn't leave until late in the evening. First, each priest would give confession. They'd purge their sins in the hope that this would limit the demon's abilities to enter them. Then they'd stand before Clara and recite the litanies of the saints, the Lord's Prayer, and Psalm 53. During one session, Clara just laughed when Father Erasmus shouted, I call upon you, Satan! Why are you possessing this poor girl? When do you intend to depart? Father Erasmus yelled, Answer me in the name of the Lord! The girl made a deal with me! snapped Clara. Her gums lifted to show her teeth, which looked sharp and inhuman in the candlelight. I am Satan, and this girl called me forth from hell to serve her dark purpose. I call upon you, Satan, obey my commands and leave this person, Father Erasmus shouted, and Clara just laughed again. 
Father Erasmus, Father Mansuet, and some nuns laid their hand on the writhing, on her writhing body and spoke in tandem. I command you, unclean spirits, whoever you are, along with all your minions now attacking the servant of God by the mysteries of the incarnation, passion, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the descent of the Holy Spirit, by the coming of our Lord for judgment, that you tell me by some sign your name and the day and hour of your departure. I command you, moreover, to obey me to the letter. I, who am a minister of God, despite my unworthiness, nor shall you be emboldened to harm in any way this creature of God or the bystanders or any of their possessions. And the priest repeated this prayer over and over. They repeated others. They doused Clara with holy water, and when they did, she screamed. The places where the water touched her skin looked pink and shiny, as though they were burns. Burns impossibly already in the process of healing. Deep into the exorcism, the priest recited the Lord's Prayer over and over again, and finally, Clara gave one last scream and fainted. <sighs> Suddenly, the room smelled of rotten meat. Ew. Even though there hadn't been any food, rotten or otherwise, in the room all day. He is gone, said a sweaty and exhausted Father Erasmus. The nuns then washed Clara and dressed her in old clothes, and miraculously, Clara seemed to return to being her old self again. Over the next days and weeks, they watched her closely, and while she was obviously upset regarding what she had been through, she definitely no longer seemed possessed. Yay! She was polite, quiet. She went back to completing her school lessons, helping with the younger children at the mission. She also refused to admit to or talk about the supposed deal she had made with yeah. the darkness. Father Erasmus and the rest wondered, had she truly tried to make a deal with something? What did she offer? Her soul? The weeks following Clara's exorcism slipped into months, and she continued to appear as nothing more than a typical, healthy, and happy 16-year-old girl. Months after the exorcism, Father Erasmus left the mission to attend to business elsewhere in South Africa. He promised Father Mansuet, the priest who had helped him with the exorcism, that everything would be fine in his absence. But he was wrong. Oh, boy. Clara, while her personality had fully returned following the exorcism, her health had not quite fully returned. She seemed a little bit sickly since her ordeal. She, she didn't eat as much as she did before. She slept more than normal. Her rosy, youthful complexion didn't quite return until the following year. It took her a long time to recover fully. And then by January of 1907, the middle of the South African summer, Clara indeed looked very healthy again. Actually, she looked much healthier than she had ever looked. She looked invigorated. Her cheeks were red and flushed. Her hair was shining. She raced around the mission, full of life and energy, chasing little kids, gleefully completing all of her mission responsibilities. And while this all seemed like something to rejoice over at the mission, something about it just didn't quite seem natural. And then one day, as a nun watched Clara, she heard an odd sound escape her lips. Oh, boy. A strange little shriek. Oh, boy. And it gave her the chills. It sounded familiar, but it didn't sound like Clara. Hesitant to sound the possession alarm bell again, the nuns now kept a close eye on Clara. Then a nun heard animalistic grunting coming from Clara when she thought no one was watching. Oh, boy. Shortly after that, a nun walked into Clara's bedroom and found her levitating serenely, her head thrown back as her clothes floated around her. Her arms and neck seemed longer, more distended. The veins running through them looked swollen and artificial. Clara spotted the nun and smiled a cruel, small smile that frightened the holy woman. She ran and told the others, and they all agreed that they needed to send word to Father Erasmus immediately. A few weeks later, on April 24, 1907, Father Erasmus was able to make it back to Natal, and he began a new exorcism ritual that day. He and Father Mansuet donned their exorcism robes and approached Clara, who smiled at them encouragingly. 
Thinking that some of her personality was struggling to show itself, Father Mansuet walked towards Clara and put a reassuring hand on her arm, and in a flash, Clara raised her hand and grabbed onto Father Mansuet's stole. <gasps> that light just started moving. Oh my god. Sorry. Whew. Why is that light moving? I no idea. Fuck. Sorry. That's okay. Are your ears okay? Yeah. Oh man, I didn't even, I was looking in my in the book. Now I see the light moving around. Just so, to be clear, there's no fans in this room. There's no reason for that light to be fucking moving. So Clara. Oh my god, my stomach. Are you ready? I guess. I did not care for that at all. Father Mansuit approaches Clara. He puts his hands on her. Yeah. Puts his hands on her to reassure her. And then she grabs his stole. The fabric that hangs from each side of his neck. She twisted it and begins to choke him. She laughs as he fights to pull away and to breathe again. He's cut off, she's cut off her air, his air supply. Her, his hands grapple with hers, but he couldn't break her powerful grip. Oh my god. His face turned red and then blue and then he sank to his knees. Clara threw her head back and laughed. Father Erasmus, meanwhile, stands paralyzed. Finally, he's able to break whatever hold this entity inside of Clara has on him, and he throws a small container of holy water at Clara. The water splashes on her, and she screams, releasing Father Mansuet, who collapses to the floor, heaving, sucking in air. Father Erasmus then begins to pray. What else could he do? He couldn't approach Clara for fear of being attacked himself. Father Erasmus and Father Mansuet and various mission nuns pray for ten straight days. Oh my God. From dawn until dusk. And then finally, the evil inside of Clara relents and disappears. And when it does, the smell of rotting meat returns. And then Clara slowly becomes her normal self again. Bright, happy, quiet. I don't trust it. Did the demon or demons return a third time? We'll never know because history lost track of Clara. What? Perhaps she moved. Maybe she adopted a new name. Surely everyone at the commune must have watched her warily, wondering if today was going to be the day that something reared its ugly head inside of her again, but it never did while she remained at the mission, and we don't know where she went after that. Maybe she became a normal adult, or maybe she once again tried to make a deal with some devil, and this time, Father Erasmus wasn't around to save her. Yikes. Sorry, I just keep looking at the light. What was that about? I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I'm trying to trace the cord. Oh, yeah, the cord goes that way and down the wall. I mean, it's not anywhere that we would touch it. <laughs> That's pretty weird. I know, and I know that some of you are listening know that that, that um, Joe harasses us occasionally and pulls pranks. But that was a good one if he indeed did pull a prank because I'm looking at the cord for the light. And the way it there's goes, no way. like he's behind this wall over here. Yeah, there, there's a wall behind me that separates it, us. And it cuts the other direction. I don't see any string or anything on it. And I'm not shitting anybody. I'm just trying to figure, I don't know. Well, I, like, I, I know that Joe, just full disclosure, because I like to disclose, I know that Joe messes with it sometimes. But if you look, like it, it's like an extension cord that meets the light. And well, yeah, it, they can't see it, but. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, and then it cuts away from the wall that Joe is, goes down the other wall. And then there's a bunch of uh, theater tape on the floor. So we don't like. Gaff tape? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. I, th I thought I've heard it's called, yeah, yeah gaffer's tape. Yeah. Um, that keeps, you know, from like uh, kicking it unplugged when you walk in and out of the room. So that's super weird. That's fun. Okay. Cool. Well, if that never happens again, that would be soon enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking uh, Claire has brought her demons here. 
So weird. Reminds me of uh, Time Suck Annalise uh, Michelle when people started experiencing <gasps> yes. a weird thing at the exact same moment during the heat of kind of like the exorcism proceedings. Do you know I never listened to that? I just uh, couldn't yeah. handle it because like all the emails were coming in. Yeah. And after you did that episode, uh, like our studio is in a shared space uh, in a building. So there's a shared bathroom, right? Yeah. And when you go in the bathroom, it has one of those um like motion sensor light switches but it has a little delay almost i don't know if the men's is the same way sometimes yeah it is so when you open the door the light doesn't go on and just for weeks and months after you did annalise i would open the door and i have to stand there with the door wide open not even totally in the restroom yet just wait for the light to click on i was so freaked out yeah i cannot listen to that yeah that was a weird one okay so you know it happened a long time ago so but uh but here here's a here's some photos that come up with this story just you know, like with the mm, with the mm-hmm. unnatural kind of physicality, there's uh, you can't do that. <laughs> I can't bend. I, I could do that. I can't bend my back straight back like that. I can. What are you talking about? You, you could do a little bit, but not. I don't oh my think, god, not that! I don't think that. I don't think that. No, that you break in half. I mean, unless you're a small child. Contortionist. Still, oh, I have such chills. I'm so not okay right now. Uh, this next one is just uh, a possessed woman pic that comes up when you Google uh, uh. Claire, and that's creepy. All bent, oh, bent. Look at the eyes. I know, bent in unnatural no, ways. Okay, and then a little palate cleanser. Okay. This comes up uh, when you search for, you know, uh, I was searching for. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is this porn? This is, I don't know. I was searching for pictures of Clara, and this comes up. It's called Catholic High School Girls in Trouble. I think, I think it's porn. a book. Uh, I think it's like a um, smut novel, like one of those like uh, literary porn. It might have pictures. <laughs> I was just oh thinking about how your grandma Betty likes to read those like old oh, fashioned yeah. smut novels. Yeah, like, she reads like the equivalent the, of that. Like the fa- uh, Fabio, Fabio mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my just, god! Just almost naked, muscular dudes on the cover. Ah, that was too <laughs> much. Spooky, spooky. Ooh. Are you now wishing that you would have let me leave that crystal on your bedside table last night? <laughs> Do you regret it? I bought the coolest crystal, not because it's a crystal, because I had never seen such black quartz. It, it does look cool. It's a really fucking cool crystal. So I put it on Dan's bedside table. And then yesterday when he got home from Salt Lake City, I was like, hey, look. Nope. He was like, get that the fuck off my bedside table. And then I tried to justify it because he was like, well, it's my side to decorate. I'm like, yeah, but look, I put a picture of your mom up. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want it to be a slippery slope. Like, like if... Once your crystal crystal fascination dies down, I'll be happy to have it on my – but I just feel like if I say like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, then it's that crystal, then it's another crystal, then it's another crystal, and then look, I'm, then I'm just surrounded one. by crystals as well. Look at this cool one that somebody sent that me. That is cool looking. I mean, pretty, huh? as a kid, I was into rocks. So, I mean, on the rock level, I do like them. They look cool. I also – do you remember when you got annoyed about the nightlight last night? Yes, because I couldn't sleep because I was way too bright. It is, it is pretty bright, but I like it. It looks cool. Well, I like it when I'm by myself because then I can see what's happening in our bedroom. Okay. I bought a Himalayan salt uh, nightlight. It's it is it's really cool. Looking. It looks really cool. It, yeah, and it puts out yeah, but it just that level of light is too much for me to sleep. Yeah, not me, not me. It's uh, <laughs> I sleep with that on. Sometimes I turn the closet lights on. The show has broken you. It's trying to break me, Dan, but I am fighting back. <laughs> and if the crystals, it's made me more scared. I was joking about that in Salt Lake City, where oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just because I have so many stories in my head now. Yeah, that, yeah, that, exactly. That when I'm trying to go to bed at night in, in the hotel alone, uh huh. I used to be able to just watch a horror movie as I was falling asleep. And now I have, at least for the moment, I've paused that. So maybe I'm somewhere in between creep, creep and peeper now because 
I'm just like, I already have enough things I'm trying not to think about as I'm going to bed. Right. And I don't need to add, especially like the way the glow of the laptop is when you're watching something in bed by yourself in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it, it makes the, you know, just the shadows of the show, the, the different, it's going to make the, the, you know, mess with your mind. Sure. And sure. I, I, don't need, I don't need that on top. I tried. I tried a few weeks ago. And then I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I'll just nope. watch them during the day. No, I've been watching just, uh, well, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I became weirdly obsessed with this terrible reality show. Oh, yeah. Is Love Blind or Love is Blind. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. But that's the kind of thing that I have to watch now before bed. Oh, yeah, so yeah like, like a palate cleanser. Yeah, because I'm just, otherwise I close my eyes and um, I have a very active imagination in that way. Like I used to have very vivid dreams. Okay. And so images pop into my brain of like hat man shadow man creepy okay. like that girl that was bent over and like the eyes and right and right. then i have to open my eyes and i'm like okay yeah i have to, those and, images and i try to think of like bright happy things but the dark images take over and then oh i god. my god i really i'm gonna get into our stories in one second but i really freaked myself the fuck out um so in our bathroom our house is older and when we bought our house it had been a flip so someone had gone in and replaced all of the mirrors in the house in the bathrooms but they're just like that really thin the cheapest mirror like giant mirror that you could buy at home depot yeah and they're i wouldn't say that they're bowed but they're not perfectly up against the wall so they yeah they can be distorting slightly i was going to bed and then i like needed to pop up and use the restroom before i went to sleep and i was looking at myself in the mirror and i was washing my hands i was like do i look weird and I got really close to the mirror and it was oh, like God. kind of distorting me. And I was like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. Oh my God. And then I went to my medicine chest, yeah. which is like, if the mirror's here, my medicine chest is here and also has a mirror on it. And I looked normal there. Okay. And then I was looking in the other mirror and I wasn't normal. I was like, I could get the fuck out of this bathroom. And then I checked <sighs> in the morning and it was still the same. But in the morning, in the light of day. Yeah, it's different. I was like, oh, okay, the mirror's just fucking, we need a new mirror. <laughs> I-, I would be worried to get too close to the mirror. I would be worried about my... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm worried that, like, I think it's just because of horror movies. I think it's been a trope in several horror movies. Yeah. Where something inside the mirror pulls you into the mirror. Exactly. And then that thing comes out, and then that thing's now living your life, and, mm-hmm. you're, and you're stuck in whatever's n- nightmare is inside the mirror. Well, my friend, maybe it's not me, <laughs> just to be clear. Yeek. Yeep. You want to get a little spooky? I'm ready. Okay. You didn't even comment on my... My mug. I do like your mug. It's cute, right? It is a cute mug. On this side, it says, I only drink tea with crystals, which I think is cute. And that's my lipstick. And I I like the color scheme. Yeah, I know. It's cute. It is. I like that uh, mint green kind of um, 50s, you know, 50s diner kind of. Tiffany blue. Okay, Tiffany blue. It's very close to a Tiffany blue. Yes. Okay. Okay, so actually this story, Mm -hmm. I didn't... It didn't necessarily scare me. Yeah. I I don't know if you'll feel this way, but I found this oddly comforting, even though it is okay. like a weird experience. Okay. Okay. All right. So hear me out. Dear Dan and Lindsay, greetings to our glorious queen of the suck and the suck master. <laughs> Hi. Longtime space lizard and newly found peeper here. And those are all times like references, by the way. People are like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, my God. Right, right, right. I know. I feel the need to change my um, Instagram handle because it no oh, longer yeah. feels fitting because currently it's queen of the suck. And like, if you're just kind of getting on this journey with us, Dan started the podcast. I still had a, a full-time job and then I quit my job to come over to the podcast. And we talked about doing something like yeah. this, but we just didn't know what it would be. And yeah. so queen of the suck was queen of time suck. It made sense. Maybe now it could be like sucking creeps and peepers. Oh. Creep sucker. I was just going to do like queen <laughs> queen of all. Like I was oh, there you go. I, I like the royalty yeah. of it all, Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick with the royalty part. Okay, thank you. 
Okay. Uh, my boyfriend was thrilled to find scared to death. Like Dan, he enjoys watching the woman he loves slowly lose her shit at every shadow and sound. Perfect. I don't have fuzzy unicorn socks to protect me just yet, but I'll be investing in some soon <laughs> since your YouTube videos seem to have become our new standing date night routine, which I love. Uh, me too. Right? It's me so too. fun. Thanks so much. Anyways, I know you undoubtedly get hundreds of emails about stuff that is way scarier than my story, but... After listening to Voodoo Nightmares, I thought you would enjoy hearing this nonetheless. For context, my boyfriend participates in Voodoo. So while not a full-blown practitioner, he has a few rituals that he performs occasionally as a way to meditate and feel more connected with his heritage. Voodoo is a complex and beautifully ritualistic religion. Everything my boyfriend needs and uses for his rituals is kept in a small wooden box. This is important. Okay. The box currently lives in the closet of my home office because my house has much more space and he is in the process of moving in. I don't mind the box being there and I've never had any problems with it except this one. Last June, we got word that my boyfriend's father was in the hospital and was probably not going to last much longer. Uh. At first, we weren't completely alarmed because that call had come several times over the last few years, but his dad had always managed to pull through somehow. But as the day wore on, my boyfriend got more pensive and agitated. Finally, he said, I think I need to go. And when I asked why, he said, I don't know. It just feels different this time. Mm -hmm. I cashed in some air miles and got him on the first flight out to Dallas the next morning. He flew out and I was to follow in the car later that day after work. The drive alone is just six hours. And so he had the opportunity to spend the entire day with his family surrounding his father to say goodbye. Yeah. When we met up at the hotel later, he told me that as he was leaving the hospital, his aunt had decided to approve his dad being sent back into surgery in a last-ditch effort to keep his dad alive. We had just gotten word before bed that he had survived the surgery. My boyfriend shrugged and said, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe the old man would actually pull through once again after all. I was a little doubtful, and but I didn't say anything. In the 10 years I've known my boyfriend, his gut feelings have never, ever been wrong. Okay. Not once, especially not when it comes to death. And so sure enough, once again, he ended up being right. We both woke up unexpectedly at about 4 a.m. the next morning, unable to go back to sleep. After about an hour of being awake, my boyfriend's aunt called to say his dad had in fact finally passed. If we calculated the time correctly, he passed about the time we had been awoken. Weird. There was a heaviness in the air, but I just assumed that it had been all of the emotions rolling off my boyfriend from the news. Later that day, we drove the six hours back home without much incident other than me overdosing on Red Bull to stay awake. <laughs> a few days later, I was in my office working. I needed to move the box for a moment so I could rearrange some other things on a shelf. I picked it up, something I had done a hundred times before, and suddenly the overhead lights just went out. I didn't think much of it at first. I rent an older house and it was raining pretty heavily outside at the time. So I thought maybe the house had either lost power or the bulb burned out. Only problem was I hadn't heard the familiar pop of the bulb dying. And when I left the room, all the other lights in the house were still on. Yeah. I set the box down to flip the switch a few more times. Nothing. I left to see if a fuse had blown. Again, nothing. When I was done checking the house and went back to the office, the light was back on. I still didn't think much about it, at least not until I went to put the box back. Once again, the second I touched the box, the light in the room went out. 
I thought I might have been imagining it. Again, I rent an older house, and so I just chalked it up to my paranoid, overactive imagination, tucked the box back into its spot before returning to my cleaning. Yeah. The light in the room came back on shortly after that. I stopped assuming I was nuts over the next few days when it became obvious that any time I had to touch the box to move it, the light in the room would go out. So weird. Then it would only come back on after the box was back on the shelf and no longer in my hands. I finally told my boyfriend what had been happening, and thankfully, instead of not believing me, he just sighed and explained something that made sense, even if it meant I had to abandon my cat to sleep at his place for the rest of the week. He said that part of Vudan is honoring the spirits of ancestors. As a practitioner and the surviving son, it was my boyfriend's duty to see that his father's spirit reached the other side through prayer and ritual. And since that had not happened yet, it meant there was unfinished business between he and his father's spirit. Until it was settled, the spirit might be trying to reach out. He said he needed time to get to do this, though. His father's passing was still too fresh for him. Mm-hmm. A few more days went by, and I basically stayed the hell out of that room as much as I could, until I couldn't avoid it. A childhood friend of my boyfriend's had come over for dinner and drinks. Our friend brought over some cigars as a gift, but had forgotten a lighter. The only lighter we had was in the box. I went to go get it, and sure enough, the moment I touched the box, the lights went out again. I marched into the kitchen and demanded my boyfriend do whatever it was he needed to do to make whatever that was stop right then and there because I was paying too much in rent to be scared to sleep in my (laughs) own damn house. My boyfriend immediately agreed and we brought out the box. His friend was familiar with the practices so he didn't question any of it and my boyfriend started pulling things out of the box. The second he was finished with the ceremony, the heaviness that had been lingering in the house for weeks vanished. Then he quietly packed the box back up and put it back himself. We haven't had an issue with the light since. Stories like that are so strange. We love the podcast. Thanks so much for providing a great opportunity for us to spend quality time together. Uh, we hope you both remain blessed and successful in life. And if you ever make it way down south, we'll be at the show with bells on. All the best, Karen. Oh, thanks, Karen. Yeah, isn't that strange? Yeah, stories like yeah, I see what you mean by being like, like comforting in, a, in a, like a weird way that uh, that there is something on the other side. Like when you pass, like when there's so many stories like that. Like I mean, I mean that is such a such an unusual story. I find it comforting because it's like if my if if my people. My aunt, my grandfather, my yeah. cousin, my uncle, too many more to mention. If they could contact me, I wouldn't feel freaked out. It's the thought that some rando can right. get to me that I don't like. <laughs> right. You know, like if some former ser- serial killer yeah. can get to me, I'm not down with that. But like if my grandpa Chucky wants to come and hang out, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah. God, what a weird thought that is. That, that if you're, that if like, let's just say like hypothetically that you do pass on, but you like stay kind of like near this dimension or whatever you want to call it, yeah. plane of existence, whatever. Uh-huh. But that you're, you're here, but just in a different form that there could also be, I mean, and I know there's been movies basically based on this exact plot. Right. Where there's like, you know, some serial killer, it's still a piece of shit when they die and still wants to continue to harm. And then that entity is around. Right. Ugh. Well, and and it, it, what a weird thought that you would just carry over your morality right. into the next, whatever the next is. I remember um, when uh, my this girl I went to grade school with, uh, Susie, I won't yeah. say her last name just in case, like, I, you never know, whatever. Sure, sure. But um, 
her mom told us this story that when her mom's, it was either her mom's mom or her mom's sister, somebody in their family yeah. passed away. Um, the way that their little like kitchen was set up, they had a small kitchen. And, you know, this was in the time of only phones on walls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh? And um, her mom was on the phone and she hadn't heard that this family member had passed yet. And there was like this little shelf above the sink and like a teacup or something okay. that wouldn't break, just kept falling down. She'd pick it up. She'd put it back. Right. Pick it up, put it, and, it kept, and she was like, "Oh my God, what is happening?" You know, yeah. and I went to like religious grade school, so this was a very Catholic family. Yeah, and she gets off the phone with the call that she's having, and then finally, like you know, because there was no call waiting, uh, this other person calls and is like, "Hey, so and so passed away," and as soon as she found out, she kind of connected the two together, and uh -huh. then just said like, "Okay, I know." I know you're not here. Like, I love you. Like, kind of like said something, put the teacup or whatever it was back one last and time. It never fell, huh? Never fell again. <laughs> Isn't that strange? That is strange. And and all and there's so many stories like that of like, um, you know, lights flickering, all the traditional things that go along with ghost stories yeah. and things moving. I mean, it, so on the one side, you can be like, well, how convenient that every story lines up. But then again, if it is true, it would just make sense. Right. That whatever rules apply to that next thing, it's very hard to like interfere with this world. And maybe that's the most you can do. Yeah. Sometimes, unless you're, yeah, I don't know. It's also I don't crazy. Know. It's there's, also crazy. There's so many options. And like, I was already getting ready for our stories for the next episode. Yeah. And there's video that goes with it. You're watching with next me week? watch it. Yeah. yeah. I saw you get spooked. And I'm like, desk. man, <sighs> I don't know. But sometimes, so some weeks, I'm like freaked out when we're doing this, right? I'm losing yeah. my mind. I'm thinking, how the fuck am I ever going to sleep? Oh my God, Monroe <laughs> and I, where were we going? I cannot remember, but. You were still in town, I think. Mm -hmm. Her and I were going somewhere and it was dark. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I can't remember. We pulled out of the driveway and I looked in my rear view mirror and we're on the street and I could see a dark figure down yeah. the street. And I was like, Monroe? Oh my God. Like, I'm like, sweetie, do you see that? Because I thought it was a deer maybe because there's a yeah. lot of deer in our neighborhood. I'm like, is yeah. that a deer baby? She's like, no, that's a human. And then it kept moving towards us. And uh -huh. I was like, in my mind, I'm like, I can't sit here and wait and see what that human is with Monroe in the car. And yeah. Monroe goes, I think you should go. But I'm Whoa. sure I'm sure it, it was like six o'clock. Yeah. It just gets dark early. Sure, sure, and we sure. don't have a ton of um, great street light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like so the, could it be just a person? It was definitely just somebody in our neighborhood. Like, Because it wasn't moving in a weird way, right. whatever. But like those things happen. And it's like, well, but what if it wasn't? Mm -hmm. You know, what if, what if, you know, the person across the street, his wife passed away a couple of years ago in a really tragic accident. Like, what if right. she's hanging out in the neighborhood? Yeah. That's where I was going with that. I was just thinking of animals when you when you brought up deer. I was like, we always apply this stuff to humans. Oh, my God. I was just like, what if there's an army of dead deer just, you know, shitting ghost shit all over our yard? Like Is that have, what's going on? We have real, dark, real deer covering our yard with real deer, deer shit. And then maybe there's like <laughs> generations past and there's just a thick layer of ghost shit. Is that like when the poop is sort of like white? Mm, maybe sometimes it's just it tr transfers over. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Maybe that's what spooks our dogs. The middle, maybe sometimes real deer. Maybe sometimes ghost deer. It, the ghost deer are probably the deer that you've hit with your slingshot. Mm, they come back. They're fucking pissed at you. They're the ones that I've wrist rocketed. Yeah. They don't. They remember me. I mm. thought about throwing that wrist rocket away, and then I thought for sure if I did, you would notice. Uh, yeah, I would notice. Sometimes I get it back out. <laughs> Funny. Are you ready for one mm -hmm. more, Dan? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why, but this story in particular felt incredibly real to me. Like some stories I can kind of explain away. Yeah. Right. Like even the first story. I'm like, even she was saying, even Karen yeah, yeah, was yeah. like, maybe it was just that light. But it just right. felt so. Weird coincidence. Right. Yeah. This to me, I was like, 
and I read it a few times. This feels legit to me. Okay. Okay. Dear Dan and Lindsay, I was introduced to your podcast when my boyfriend mentioned that I might like hearing... Uh, sorry. I got nervous that I printed the same story oh, twice because oh, both yeah. these emails start very similarly. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I, get it, I, get it. I was like, what did I do wrong? Uh, my boyfriend thought I might like this after hearing Dan mention it on Time Suck. I fell in love with the podcast immediately. Now I listen to it anytime I'm cooking, in the car, or at work. My story may be a little long, but I hope it creeps you out like it did me when I was living through it. Okay. My story starts in my childhood home near Cincinnati, Ohio. Yay, Ohio. <laughs> you looking at that light? Yeah, just making sure it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Just about 30 minutes north of Cincinnati. I was about nine or 10 years old when I had a dream of my American girl doll talking to me. Uh. I don't remember what she was saying, but I remember it being very evil. The doll was talking to me from my nightstand next to my bed when the sun was just beginning to rise outside my window adjacent to my bed. When I woke from my dream, the doll was in the same place and the same position as the dream, and the sun was fully up at this point. I think this is where my fear of dolls came from. I moved that American Girl doll to the closet, never thinking of it again. In September 2008, there was a huge power outage in our town. Naturally, my sisters and I were scared, and so we slept in our parents' room, and that was the only place where we were going to leave the candles lit all Mm -hmm. night. Later that night, I woke up to my dad yelling in a panic from my mom, and I turned to see why my dad was yelling. There was a huge fire next to my parents' bed. At this point, my mom sees the fire and begins waking up my sisters and having us run out of the house in just under a minute into the street where a neighbor happened to be awake and asked what was going on. The neighbor called 911, and that call was made at 3.01 during the witching hour. We lost the whole house that day. Besides the house burning down at 3 a.m., the weirdest part was when my mother told me years later that before the house burned down, she was experiencing weird things going on in the house for about three weeks prior to the fire. She would find footsteps on the freshly vacuumed floor and hear doors slam when no one else was home with her. The occurrences had escalated during those weeks prior to the fire. She woke up to three apparitions standing by her bed, looking at her as she was lying there. All of them black and all would appear at 3 a.m. every night, right before the same time that our house burnt down. It was like they were trying to warn her. That wouldn't be the end of the paranormal experiences. I've already got chills. Oh my God, yeah. A year later, we rebuilt the house and moved in. I remember not feeling comfortable in my bedroom. When we rebuilt the house, we built it in the same layout, but added a third story where my parents' new bedroom was. So I ended up in my parents' old room where the fire had started and where my mom had experienced the three apparitions. For the most part, I didn't experience much at first, but a couple years later, when I was lying in bed and I had suddenly awoken to that feeling that I wasn't alone, Mm -hmm. that's when I heard an innocent little girl's voice so creepy come across the room from where the air vent was it said hello oh my god i was freaked out and fully awake but i thought i was just hearing things until i heard it again and it said anyone up there still i thought i'm imagining it my heart felt like it was about to explode and then it happened again and this time it didn't sound so innocent it said i know you're up here At that point, I didn't know what to do. I wanted to run out of my room, but I couldn't move. I stayed awake the rest of the night until I heard everyone beginning to wake up the next day. I told my mom about it, and she told me that she had been seeing 
a little girl in a pink dress in our house when she was home alone. Yeah. What's the matter? What'd you see? Nothing. Freaking yourself out? I think so. Okay. We were talking when we heard... Oh, oh sorry. Um, whew. Short, uh, shortly after this, I had a friend over and we were home alone. We were talking when we heard a deep male's voice yell, No! Coming from the stairs. We fell silent, looked at each other as if to say, Did you hear that too? And I asked her if she wanted to go to her house instead and she did not hesitate to say yes. Things would only pick up from here. Anytime I was home alone, I would hear footsteps above me from the kitchen like someone was wearing boots and walking around upstairs. Our dogs would growl and bark at absolutely nothing. My mom told me that she would hear the same things and always felt uneasy in her room and in my room. One night when I was asleep, I woke up to that same feeling of not being alone. This time I heard a much older female voice say, don't touch her. Paralyzed with fear again, I stayed awake the rest of the night. I told my mom and she wondered if it was someone protecting me. She thought that it could be my grandmother who had passed away shortly after we rebuilt our house. My mother was wondering if she was there protecting us from something we couldn't see, perhaps something evil. At this point, the energy in the house was beginning to feel unpleasant. And this is about the time when my parents' relationship was coming to an end. But don't be sad. Their relationship wasn't ruined by this. It was a long time coming even before this all happened. But it's important to the story. Okay, okay. The footsteps in the house would begin to get louder and the doors in the house would slam shut inexplicably. I would start seeing a black male figure all over the house. One time I saw the black figure in the kitchen when I was with my mom and my sisters and my mom saw it too. The figure gave out this energy as if it were angry at us. Every day my mom would find the same family photo on the ground as if someone had taken it down. My mom tried moving the photo to a different place and again she'd find it lying on the ground in the same spot. Finally, my mom decided to get a divorce from my dad. She found a new home and we moved out shortly, but sadly, the story doesn't end there. After we moved into the new house, my mom cleansed the new house, making sure she didn't bring whatever was haunting haunting us with us. Yeah. I later learned that my dad's new girlfriend had some practice in witchcraft. My sister Megan would find tarot cards and witchcraft book in my dad's house and learn that they belonged to his girlfriend. One night while I was asleep, I had dreams of a dark entity only to find out that everyone had had nightmares that same night about some dark entity. I remember in my dream, it was telling me that a demon sent it there. My mom began to cleanse our house again with sage while my mom's girlfriend would say religious prayers of protection. Then a few nights later, my sisters and I, while were out while my mom and her girlfriend were home sitting on the couch where there was a loud banging at the front door. They were startled, but before they opened the door to see who it was, my mom's girlfriend first peeked out the window next to the door, and no one was there. The banging got louder and shook the whole house, and the wind began to pick up, each bang getting louder and louder as if someone was trying to get into the house. My mom's girlfriend ran and grabbed her Bible and started praying while my mom prayed with her. When it stopped, my mom's girlfriend decided to carve a cross in the front of the door to protect the house from anything doing that again. That cross is still carved into the front of the door to this day. And since then, we have never experienced anything like that again in our mom's house. Hope you enjoyed my story and I hope it creeped you out. Love, Gabby. Super creepy. Because it went from one house to the other. Yeah. Yeah, one from yeah, followed them, and then also just yeah, that um, the part that got me the most was the the voice coming from the vent. Yeah, 
because <laughs> I can just picture that so clearly. Oh man, especially like as a kid, like like now, terrifying. But but also yeah. as, as a kid, oh my god, laying in your room, and then hello, anyone there? Just coming from the vent, holy, in a voice that didn't belong to someone who's supposed to live in that house. I know you're in there. God, yeah, that really gave me the chills. Uh huh. Oof. And that story, I like reread it yesterday to prep for a recording. Mm-hmm. And so then hearing Kyler talk in his sleep last night, I was like, motherfucker. Oh, yeah, it's in your head. Yeah, like, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Ooh, love the stories you guys send in. My God. Oh, man, next really week. Really good ones. Next week is a doozy just because I have video evidence of something. Video evidence. Okay. You're going to shit your pants. <laughs> I Like it's, whew. Well, good, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, you guys oh, are man. amazing. I love it. I love the balance of the stories I'm able to find online and then the stories that just people send in that just feel, you know, just more personal. Yeah. It's yeah. just uh, somebody who listens to the show. This is what happened to me. How about that light? So many st- I know. And it started wigging out in the middle of your story, too. It did? Yeah. I asked you what was going I on. I know. I didn't want to stop the story. And then I was trying to figure out. <laughs> oh, is that why you were all squirrely? Oh, yeah, in my mind, I'm like, how was Joe messing with us? And it's very hard to figure out. Yeah, I mean, I wish that I wish that we were on, like, phones right now because I could just show you. I could just pan up. There's just the cord for the light and then that cord. So there's soundproofing all across the ceiling. So, uh, but because, right. because we rent, we can't, like, make holes in our ceiling, right? I mean, that would just, I mean, we could. But it's, everything is held up with bungee cords and, like, zip ties and like it's a very intricate system up there so there's just no way yeah that he could be doing it without us seeing it is I, the point i'm trying to make i love that this has become like a weird like there's all these i feel like there's all these secrets around the office now where it's like i i get the feeling that some i mean i mean sometimes i'm sure well, well joe's admitted a few times to like okay trying to do something to whatever well, yeah but when he all, flickered every, the light that one right time. but not every yeah. time and so <laughs> sometimes we come in and one of the candles oh, is on. Oh my god! And 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 then I know that Joe legitimately gets scared sometimes for uh-huh. other things. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing that. You're not doing that. It, it is like a, it's like a weird movie or something. That's yeah. just Oh my god! It's like a weird um, so reality li- like, TV show. It's like we're living in a horror show. Yeah. Oh, and it's so cold in here today. Mm-hmm. So and cold. that never makes any sense. I don't know. And yet it's 69 degrees, but I'm freezing. <laughs> I know these stories, it's weird. It is It is weird. At the very least, I mean, this is what I think about with horror stuff. Let's say that there's, let's say, let's say that there's no entity and there's, a, that there's nothing after this. Uh-huh. But then, but then what explains, then like, is the power of the human imagination so strong that you can make things happen outside of your body that other people can see? Because that is equally just as like mystifying. Yeah, that's weird. That did just make me think. I know at some point I got an email. <gasps> Remember when I was talking about the pendulum? I was talking about how like Allison and she like holds it. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then like how, I how held it. And yeah. But somebody sent me an email trying to explain it. But I was like, like some very logical scientific sure, sure. explanation about like we all give off energy of vibration. Even if even we, that is weird. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but even still, but like, how holding this thing is it like swinging? It's not just like a little like shake. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is like it's going. Yeah, there's so many interesting little things like that. I don't know, and I always look at it like, and I've said this before, but maybe it's been a few weeks. That, you know, like many, you know, for most of human history, we didn't know how disease worked. Diseases were there. 
Yeah. They were doing the same thing that they're doing now. Well, look what's happening with coronavirus. Everyone's having like a fucking mental breakdown about it. Right, right. And well, it's, 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 it's simply because we didn't know it was there. Mm-hmm. And now like like just this morning I was listening to the news and it's like, yeah, there are hundreds of cases in Washington. They're pretty mm-hmm. sure. Oh, man, yeah. But they just don't know because it was out there. They couldn't find it. They couldn't. They, it wasn't identified yet. Right, right. And for most of human history, no diseases were done. And they didn't even know the nature of it was what I was driving at. Like they oh, didn't sorry. even. Well, that's okay. No, they just they didn't know that like that there were little things right that there right. were little viruses and bacteria because we, we didn't have a tool that allowed you you couldn't know that right because there was no technology that allowed you to see that yeah now you can see it it can be verified by other people and i just always think with these stories like that there are things that we just we don't have the tools and, and that could be like for supernatural you know mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. we just you know they could be all around us that's what's really mess with you know can get in, get in my head Thinking yeah. about how this stuff could be around us at all times. Whenever you're walking through the woods, whenever you're walking through your house, you really want to just freak yourself out. The shit is just fucking around us all the time. Yeah. Good and bad. Weird shit it's out just there. Just hovering. Just hovering that we just don't have the right lenses to see yet. It's weird because, you know, like, I don't know if it was last <sighs> week or the week before, but I was really f- feeling, I saged our house and like yeah. put salt above the doorways and stuff because I was really feeling something not good in our house. And it's weird, like this past week, I was like, huh. Everything feels really light in here. I don't feel alone. Okay. Like I, I definitely still think that there's something hanging out, but I'm like, oh, is it something good now? Okay. Has it shifted? That's like, good. I don't know. I have to see my energy healer. The the girl. That's what they call it. Like if you sure. perform Reiki. Um, I'm like, I need to know. Is there something still around me? Like, what's going on? How come I I feel so light and happy recently mm-hmm. that I'm like, is that real? <laughs> is it all the supplements I'm taking in the morning? What's going on? <laughs> Something, some ghost helping you along? Yeah, I mean, fine. If there's a ghost that wants to help me have more energy, S- stay I around. Down. I want, a, I want a health ghost. Oh, I know. I can't believe I want you're a still sick. Health booster ghost. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what it is. Hopefully, it's just the very end of it. I don't know. Who lo- knows? Well, you know, sinus infections can be can as be it, tough to get rid of. I've had one of those in the past. That was like, yeah. what do they call it? Like uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria or something, where it's just a little tougher to yeah, just a little tougher to get rid of certain little bugs. I was with uh, a friend over the weekend who's a nurse, and yeah, she said for sure that like sometimes they're really hard to penetrate those sinus infections, and they can just hang on, and you might need a second dose. You might need something stronger. Perfect. I know. I need a, I know. I need a, I need a health demon. You need. A enema. That's weird. <laughs> a crystal enema. I don't know, uh, maybe, maybe I need a crystal enema. I was trying. I was trying to sneak it in there. Are we, <laughs> are, are we gonna end on crystal enema? <laughs> yes. Perfect. Uh, that's all for today. <laughs> please keep sending your tales to my story at scared to death podcast.com. Yes, uh, please. For everything else, info at scared to death podcast.com. And thanks for watching or listening. And, uh, and thanks to uh, Harmony Velikamp, social media, Joe Paisley, producing and directing. Zach Flannery helps out here as well. Sophie Evans has been gathering many of the stories I've been telling the last several weeks, doing a great job. And thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohen, and Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds, and Heather Rylander for taking over the My Story at ScaredToDeathPodcast.com emails. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, at ScaredToDeathPodcast. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. And enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Bye, y'all. Get scared to death. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death.